All right, apologies for that. Not sure what happened with the rest of uh, that voice note. But let's get into our 10 o'clock conversation. Civil society responding in particular to the budget vote that was um, tabled by the Human Settlements Minister Mamuloko Kubai and also raising some concerns more broadly around the department's ability to respond to the country's housing challenges. Bulelani Boy is head of organizing for Ndifuna Ogwazi. Bulelani, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Good morning, Katie. Thanks for having me. I'm interested to you. It's Bushe Boy, Katie. Oh, is it Bushe Boy? All right. Thanks yes. Thanks for that correction. So I'm going to ask you just to try and move around a little bit for me, Bushe, because my connection to you uh, it seems to be breaking a little, but hopefully it'll hold. Um, you are, of course, one of the first organizations to raise concerns um, with the budget vote that has been tabled by the minister. What in particular are you worried? about? Um, thanks, Kate. Kate. I mean, there are, there are various things that the minister has, uh, has spoken about, and we feel that um, the budget vote was, was, was quite very well retained, but it was, devade, I mean, it was devoid of, of any substance and immediate timeline in terms of implementation um, of, of, of various things that the minister has spoken about. Um, for instance, the minister spoke about um, the, 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 the public partnership, public-private partnership, um, and there is clarity um, in terms of uh, the role of, of, of the private sector there in terms of um, the development of housing, or rather the incentivizing of, 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 pro- of projects that the minister has spoken to, um, because we know that uh, the development of housing and, and, and those projects um, rely heavily on local municipalities, and 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 they, it's them that have control of planning um, and decision making. Um, so there is inherent in terms of the specific role of of, of the private sector in that regard. Um, and and quite very more worrying for us um, is is the ministers. Uh, I mean, speech around um, the informal settlement upgrade, um, and and the minister saying that majority of of the informal settlements are undevelopable, and there isn't anything that substantiates um, or evidence that substantiates this claim that the minister is making. Um, and we know that there was a panel of of experts um, that that have produ- produced evidence that most of these informal settlements can be can be upgraded in situ, um, and the minister is 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 is, is, is silent on that. Um, because they saying that most of these informal uh, uh, settlements are, are, are unsuitable land. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the various other aspects, um, of course, uh, because the minister is, is speaking on, on social housing and there isn't any further uh, indication of how many projects and programs will be um, presented. Um, the six projects um, that, that they spoke about as part of infrastructure alignments are not in well-located areas. And there's little indication um, that has been given on how well-located state land ties with social housing. Uh, so that's worrying for us because we've been saying that it cannot be correct that uh, people are further um, displaced, people are further put um, in, 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 in the peripheries. Um, this state and the government has a responsibility um, to advance um, social justice um, and Building uh, social housing find the peripheries doesn't assist um, our people in terms of being closer to social amenities. Uh, we cannot speak of, of development of housing and do not speak about uh, the, 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 the neighborhood uh, amenities um, that, that, that will be developed. Um, and equally, um, Katie, there are various things that worry us in the, in the context of, of, of the housing code. Um, it seems that uh, the minister is, is sticking to, to the old paradigm. Um, what hasn't worked, and there isn't any sense of seriousness in terms of taking a new route that that the panel of experts um, had suggested in the context of of, of, of the housing code to, to accelerate um, housing um, delivery. Uh, so those were our um and Katie, um, in in the main. Um, around the budget vote that that the minister um, um, spoke about. 
Butle, when it comes to this, um, you know, lack of alignment, I think where the national government is concerned and how it approaches improvements to housing, the minister announced the development of a war room that would consist of experts, different experts, and, and part of their job is to ensure that, you know, efforts are being coordinated nationally to also help monitor some of the projects that are taking place on national basis and to also see, you know, where do they have the biggest challenges, where, they, where there's been lack of delivery and how do they fast track that. Do you not think that that will, will bring a difference because it's something that was there. I mean, it's something that wasn't there before um, that, that has now been put together. Katie, the reality is this. Um, the previous uh, Minister of Community does a panel of, 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 of experts um, that had worked um, on, on, on various uh, government policies um, that, that the minister is, is speaking about. Um, and particularly working on, on, on developing a, a new white paper on human settlements, um, as well as, as, as a new revised uh, housing code. Um, and <laughs> that, that's why that took several, several years um, and, and this expects are invested in. Um, however, still today, there isn't any progress support in terms of the work that was done um, by that panel of experts. And we cannot be in a situation of having panels and panels of experts with, 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 with no real uh, work that is, that, is, that is produced, at least for the public, and no time frames in, in the context of, of, of commitments that, that already exist um, and the work that, that was, was already done. Um, I mean, there's, there's very good uh, policy documents um, that, that, that are developed, and... The, the issue and the fact that there isn't any any emphasis in terms of when those be put um, out for the public uh, is very worrying because um, evidence tells us that our people live in very undignified housing conditions uh, and it that that needs to be substantively uh, reformed um, through this, this, this existing um, housing, housing code. We cannot stick on, 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 on the old paradigms and um, changing and shifting uh, mm-hmm. uh, panels. Um, so that's, 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 that's our case. We, we, need, we need implementation of, of, of what already exists um, through um, or in progress support on, 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 on the old uh, panels that, 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 that have said um, developing this very wonderful a, a, a policies. We cannot uh, be in a situation of every time we're told that there's an assembling of, of, of different panels of experts when there isn't uh, any clarity in terms of the existing commitment um, implementation. All right. Let me invite into the conversation as well Jody Alamir, who is an independent consultant. Jody, good morning. Hi, good morning to you and also to Bushley and your listeners. Thanks for including me in the conversation. Sure, just listening to Wuhle, and, and I think this is an important point that, that he's making. There have been so many challenges to, you know, pro- providing housing in, in this country. And with what has been done over the last 28 years of democracy, I think there are also lessons that have been learned around what has worked, what hasn't worked. Do you think that those lessons are being applied in terms of how housing should be done going forward? Because, you know, perhaps some of the systems and even the policies that we have are good, but they are for a certain place and time. And the world is evolving rapidly and the challenges that, um, you know, we're facing are, are also changing. And, and I think especially emphasizing more on the, the climate that, you know, we should get used to in an area like the Sadiq region and, and how that should be informing uh, our choices around something like housing as well. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I think Bush is really making a, an important point there. We've had so many processes um, that have attempted to change or improve the way in which we deliver not just the number of houses, but also the quality of the houses and the quality of the communities that we build, that we build communities that increase the chance of people to be socially mobile, economically mobile, 
the way in which we're building houses at the moment, firstly, we're just not building enough. We're not nearly at the right scale for the need. And we're building houses in a way that affects productivity. Um, it affects demand in our economy. Those who are able to get a job spend so much of their income on transport costs that actually has a negative impact on our economy. And we're just not translating that directly into the way in which we, we deliver houses. Despite process, we've had the IDUF process, the built environment performance planning process. Now we've got the district development model. Now we've got this war room. And the characteristics of the war room are on paper correct. But I'd argue they're at the wrong level of government, government because the level of government that is delivering houses is provincial government and, and local government. And there, you, we've got real, real capacity challenges. So they tend to prioritize expediency. They tend to prioritize, you know, where, where can we put our limited project management capacity, our, our quite singular interpretation of, of the budget, and, and just sort of deliver a roof overhead somewhere on the periphery where the numbers stack up. And we're not really sort of building the capability of those project managers, first and foremost. Doing that, they talk about a continuous improvement approach in, in, the, in the budget speech. They don't give a lot of detail on that. But we need to have that continuous improvement approach at the local government level. And we need to have it in a way that brings in other role players in society, that brings in... Um, you know, people housing uh, 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 approach where there's a sort of a demand side that can build their own houses in a practical way, where there's a market side that can also build their own houses. The market is providing much more low-income housing than government is at the moment, but there's nothing in the budget speech that really talks about how government can can continuously improve that. Mm. So, yeah, we, we, we're kind of ticking a few boxes, but but really at a slow, at a, at a, at a slow pace. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. Wutley, I want to come to this issue of housing backlogs because mm. what we have seen, you know, over the years is that the backlog only continues to increase. And yeah. at the same time, there are challenges that face the, the the, the houses that have already been built. So you have, you know, people who had qualified for houses, received their houses, have sold their houses or renting mm. them out to somebody else and are now back on the list, uh, you know, and wanting another house. And th- there's so many different things to, to pick up on. But what do you understand to be causing um, these backlogs? And is it realistic to even expect that the government can and should build houses for at least 3.7 million people currently, as as it stands. Mm. Um, thanks, thanks, Kit. Uh, I mean, there, there are various reasons why 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 there is a backlog, and you'll trace that to state failure to accelerate the provision of housing um, 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 for people, and and that has various implications, um, Kit, in terms of state land um, that 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 is there. Um, what what you find is that if in Cape Town alone, um, at least according to statistics of 2020, um, that Cape Town had a backlog of 365,000 um, <laughs> um, on their the, the database. Um, and the unfortunate thing is that people will not leave and stay on the on, on the waiting list um, for long. People will not stay on pipeline projects um, that the state um, continuously says that. Um, a pipeline projects for housing for people. People will not live in those. People need housing. People have been waiting for over 25 years um, some for housing. And that's, and, and that's really wrong. And people are falling within the cracks um, of this crippled uh, housing system, uh, Kitty. Um, and the result of that is what you see today in the mushrooming and, and I mean, the, 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 the growing scale of, of land occupation, um, but it should be indicated through region. Um, and And and, and and that's because um, people are tired of, of of being on the waiting list um, without any clarity in terms of when um, they will be um, in, into, into into housing. All right, Wutle, I seem to be losing you even more on the line. I'm going to ask the producers just to redial you. Uh, that connection is not very strong, and I do apologize to our listeners. Jody Alamea is still on the line. She's also an independent consultant in this field. We'll continue the conversation with both of them after the 10.30 news headlines. 
The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point. We're looking at the slow pace of delivery, particularly in housing and, you know, looking at least at the latest budget speech and seeing how that will help respond to the challenges that are faced. Is it adequate? What has been tabled for this financial year? Wuhle Boy is head of organizing for Ndifunu Kwasi and Jody Alamir is an independent consultant. So Wuhle, one of the questions I had asked before we went to uh, the news headlines was, is it realistic to expect that government will be able to meet this deadlock of this backlog rather of of providing housing to 3.7 million people yes uh, yes uh, thanks Katie um, I mean part part of part of what 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 I was starting to articulate um, was that the state uh, <laughs> the state has 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 a backlog of at least in the city of Cape Town, of 365,000, um, according to 2020 statistics. Um, and people are growing with impatience um, in terms of being on the waiting at least um, for housing. And the result of that, as I was saying, is that um, it's land occupation. Um, and what is needed, Katie, is that the state must release public land um, for, for public use. Um, what you find in Cape in, in Town in particular is that the state... Uh, is using uh, public land uh, for, 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 for profit, for commodification. Land is viewed as a mere commodity um, by, by the state, and the land is being given to private sector um, for big skyscrapers um, rather than for development of, of affordable housing um, for people. Of course, we appreciate that um, the state has failed so far to provide um, housing for people, um, and it needs to partner with other strategic uh, sectors in society um, to, to to provide housing, but the question remains, or rather, the, the point remains, is that um, land should not be viewed as a commodity and should not be released only to private sector. There should be conditions, and they should the, the, the land at the heart of it. I mean, should should be released um, for, for 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 social value um, rather than uh, the commodity. So. One of one one of one of one of the, the, the issues, Katie, with with this with this with this with this state, uh, or rather the state's failure um, to build housing for people, as I was saying, and as I indicating, is that we see land occupation and the, the human settlement uh, minister uh, has moved from a point of saying that no, uh, what we'll do now will provide status side um, rather than uh, stop structure, structures. Um, and hoping that uh, this would lead to different results in the context of, 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 of the provision of housing um, for people or people being housed. Um, and, uh, and there isn't any emphasis uh, in terms of how, how this, this will be implemented um, on well-located government land. Um, so that's, 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 that's our worry, because mm-hmm. we're saying that, yes, we recognize um, that we cannot provide housing on our own, and there's been a failure from our part in terms of providing housing. Therefore, what we do provide land. Um, but there is very clear, clear, clear in terms of even where is this land? Um, who would benefit from this land? Because we have a situation uh, of of people being pushed into into peripheries um, and further entrenching, especially cities. And we cannot allow that. Those are the things that are saying that in the budget vote, the minister should clarify in the context of provision of housing, as much as we appreciate that they cannot do it alone, but there should be that clarity that is provided. And perhaps the question then to to put out to our listeners this morning includes, you know, how can we be responding to the housing challenges and the housing problems that um, South Africa faces, especially if there is an admission or an acknowledgement that you know, yes, government can talk about meeting a, back, a backlog of 3.7 million homes that need to be built. But the reality is that, you know, we're, we, we're probably not going to get there, at least if we look at the pace of our delivery to date. Um, and, and so what are the solutions that we bring in the meantime? And are there different ways in which we can be approaching this conversation that also empowers community communities and Jody I'll bring you in here because 
you know, this idea of government will give you a house. I know many people who don't have a problem with, you know, building themselves a house. And and perhaps the answer is that, well, maybe government doesn't have to do everything and doesn't have to, even where there are low-cost housing structures um, that are being built, that, you know, the private sector is not necessarily the only answer. Um, somebody was saying the other day, maybe we need to give communities um, the the tools that they need to build houses and they can well be able to do it for themselves. I don't know. Jody, what do you think of that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I do think the answer to that probably looks quite different in small towns versus big cities. I think the economic structure, the social networks, the culture, all sorts of things, the land layout, everything is quite different in those environments. So I think we probably need a different model and a different vision and financing mechanism and everything, the housing topology, everything will be quite different in a more rural, small town setting versus a big metropolitan environment. So that, I think, would be my first my first point. Um, secondly, I think we need to understand that in some ways that is already happening. When I said earlier, the private sector is providing more low-income housing. I think that's these so-called micro-developers where people are... Um, rebuilding in, in former township areas, uh, you know, re- reconverting our RDP houses into seven, eight apartments and letting that out, that is happening. And the, I think leaning into that and saying, this is interesting, how do we provide affordable financing mechanisms, making sure that there's, you know, good quality housing products here and providing not only for housing and densification in these areas, but making sure that the social amenities, the economic amenities also come in so that these become good quality neighborhoods. Um, I think that's that's you know some place where other role players in society can can lean in. And I think that the the risk here, and and I think this is Bushley's point as well, is if government just says we're going to provide the site, we we will provide the layout and the site. Um, the the risk there is that you're asking low income people to go into debt essentially, because how else will they get the resources to to build? Um, and how do low-income people access debt? It's not through formal financing institutions. Often they already have a poor credit record or are blacklisted for some other reason. They've struggled throughout life in, in other ways. And so it's, it's debt at you know very high interest rates or through not uh, formally recognized institutions. And that is very, very risky. So I think if we are going to move into a space where we're saying we want people to do it themselves, we have to meet them with reasonable financing mechanisms and maybe there's a role here for uh, new products to be offered by suppliers of building materials or companies or, or developers and things like that uh, you know if, we, if that's our answer we certainly cannot be pushing people into debt to do it um, that that will be a, an economic crisis on top of a housing crisis. Mm, absolutely what do you find are some of the biggest barriers to people taking up low-cost housing opportunities. Wuthe? Um, th- thanks, thanks, Katie. I mean, I think part part of part of Jody's uh, response, I think maybe touches um, touches touches on uh, on that. Um, I mean, low low-cost housing and 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 affordable housing. One of the barriers um, is, is access to to, to financing, right? Um, but in the end, what you find is, is the question of affordability um, that people are still grappling with um, in, the, in, in the context of, of, of accessing the affordability, affordable housing and social housing. Um, and we, we would need um, as a as, 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 as society to, 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 to define what is affordable so that we accelerate um, the access um, of previously marginalized people into 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 housing, uh, into relocated housing. So I think those are some are just some of the things um, and secrecies that we would need to 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 to, to I mean uh, to touch base on um, and to clarify um, in the context of affordability for who, um, uh, which is one of the main issues that the people that we interact with on a daily basis uh, have been raising. Um, with us um, as one of the main challenges in terms of them mm-hmm. um, accessing um, relocated housing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I wonder, Jody, uh, is there a way of, of, of containing these costs? Because 
it costs money to build this this infrastructure, right? And mm-hmm. and I suppose you know it it wouldn't be fair uh, to say to the private sector, well, lower the cost of the housing because there's obviously a lot of investment that has gone into it. But it makes sense to me why somebody will think, but you know, if you look at how much the majority of South Africans are earning in this country to be paying even a, a thousand rand or, or two thousand rand uh, to, to secure a place to live, it's a lot of money. So people would rather just, you know, have to pay five hundred rand for, for a back room or or, or um or, or sometimes not even pay rent at an informal settlement. Yeah, I mean the other side of this housing debate is always the economy. Mm, <laughs> How do mm, we actually get absolutely. people earning more money? Yes, that's, that's what we need. That's what we <laughs> yeah. need. Ultimately, if people earn more money, it kind of fixes one side of the equation, um, for sure. But you know, for for me, a big part of it is always in integration. If you're able to build more integrated developments, um, the more higher income components of the development can cross-subsidize the lower income components of the development. So the the costs of some of the bulk infrastructure and the more expensive parts of the development can be recuperated by the the more sort of luxurious housing products or commercial products in the development um, and and cross-subsidize the costs of the lower housing uh, products. And we yet to, to see very many examples of this in South Africa, partly because we have a bit of a mentality of rich must live here. And yes, yes, very much um, so. Yeah, but we do see this in, in international examples, and, and this is a lot of what, you know, Indifunio Kwasi and other activist groups are, are really sort of pushing for, and a lot of the land release models that we're starting to see political noise around um, and land release pipelines developed in, in both the uh, city of Cape Town and Etiquini are talking about um, more of these integrated models that, that use this cross-subsidization. So hopefully we'll see that um, in the next uh, sort of political cycle actually implemented. Mm. Um, uh, the other way is through social facilitation that prevents some of the delays to projects. And this is a very real problem in South Africa. Part of the reason why we have slow delivery is because we do have work stoppages on projects and specifically in places like Etiquini, but in other metros in South Africa as well. And work stoppages on projects cost money and increase the cost of the project. So that is something we also have to talk about. Yeah. And, and so, you know, how do we use social facilitation to increase social value and buy in uh, to a project and actually reduce the, the cost of doing the project um, so we can do more with the, with the capital money. All right. Let me go to Phineas in Polokwane. Good morning, Phineas. Morning, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you. First of all, uh, on your question of whether the government will be able to build houses for the 3 million or so people, that is not possible because uh, every year there are new, uh, new entries. People keep on registering for for housing. But uh, my question is, uh, uh, is it possible for one to 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 register for a house, say, in Cape Town and then in Johannesburg? That is a, 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 a person, an individual, to register in in many in many uh, places. And what what are the chances of those those, those people getting uh, houses in many places because that's uh, according to me that uh, is going to to create a burden on the on the state. The last question is uh, exactly whose whose competence is it to allocate people houses? Is it the the municipality, the province? I don't know the criteria. I've, the thing is, I've registered for housing. 2009, mm. but uh, till now, nothing. I went to inquire uh, in March, eight months this year, and I was told uh, that uh, uh, I have to register again. Yes, but, uh, because at some point, Phineas, the department says that they're overhauling the system and they're coming up with a completely new database. Um because the old ones seem to be so unreliable. Yes, but uh, the, 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 the people who registered long long time ago, they have now 
they 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 now have to 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 come at the end of the of the of the queue because new new people are, are getting houses in my area yes people are getting houses but we some of us who registered long time ago we 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 have not been considered and you go to your municipality they tell you no the system is new so why can't they exhaust all the the old list and then start again with uh, their new uh, new thing, so, so to speak. Uh, Phineas, so that means that you've been waiting for a house for for 13 years now. How do you feel? I feel very, very bad, very bad. And uh, I must venture and say, with me, I think it goes according to to to. To politics, because I've got uh, an experience where around 2015, yeah, 2015, I went to the to to my councillor. The councillor, he knows very well that I don't belong to his party, and when he told me to my face that uh, I must just forget. And the guy has since died, and <laughs> you see, so. Uh, uh, you get what I mean. Mm, mm, mm. And and that's and that's that's the difficulty with how some of these applications are processed at a local level, right? Because um, you know those that are in charge of these lists have so much power to decide the final outcome over who gets a house, who doesn't get a house. It doesn't make sense that somebody who applied after you did gets a house before you have. All right, Phineas, thanks for that call, and thanks for letting us know about what's happening with your situation. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to continue with more of our callers and uh, with Wuthia Boy and Jody Alamir. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, we continue taking your calls. Let me go to Mpumalanga. Stembi, so good morning. Thank you, Kathy. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Stembi. So go for it. I'm good. Uh, Kathy, you see, I think uh, the government should also be careful because uh, uh, it will get itself under pressure by, by the people. For an example, Kathy, I live from, from Pumalanga and go and work in Johannesburg. What do I need when I go in Johannesburg? Because in Pumalanga, I have a home, I have a house. It means that I'm looking for an affordable rental place where I will stay. Because people move from their provinces to where they want to work, and then they apply for housing there. Is there a need for the people to have a house in Joburg and a house in, in Pumalanga at the same time? Because now we will find that people went to, even on those squatter camp or on those uh, informal settlements, they're renting in, in, in the informal, uh, informal settlement. But we just need an, an affordable rental place, not that we're all looking for houses then government is putting itself under pressure in that way. They have to investigate and see if people are eligible to, to, to get a house or they want to a, a rental place. Mm. Such an important yes. point. Stembi, so thanks for that view. Um, you, it's you. a really, really important issue that you're raising there because we do have, you know, so many of us that are just, you know, migrants who are coming from one part of um, the country to another part of the country. And how do you then respond to it from that lens to say, well, these people are probably here for economic opportunity, but many will maybe plan to go back to um, where they were born, uh, to go back to where they have homes. And, and how do you then come up with these temporary measures? Willie in Kuma, good morning. Good morning, Casey. Thank you for taking my call. First and very shortly, Casey, please, man, don't forget sometimes to read SMSs as well. You see, most of you guys, even... Uh, Cynthia, when coming to SMS, it's like you just forget to read them. Guilty, guilty as charged, Willie. Guilty as charged. I, I, I accept. <laughs> I won't even argue. I won't. I, I accept. Okay. <laughs> I accept. Cynthia, uh, I learned as well. I responded just like yourself. Thank you very much. Casey, actually, uh, you've, you've taken a... Uh, 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 You've said a mouthful yourself, starting by saying the practicality of of 
of all the members of the of, of the society to have houses is quite impossible. That's what he said. And then you were asking about the mechanism of, of how to how to deal with this housing problem. You see, uh, um, because many speakers, of course, they have taken my way. So my suggestion would be, okay, let Minister of, of, of Housing stand for and tell the, 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 the nation that, okay, now we are unable to sustain uh, this, this housing uh, 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 problem, you see. The money is no more there. Health department is cutting the budget, and health comes first. So everything, you see, at the end of the day, um, comes to an end. There's no money. Even though we know that other people are going to complain that the government is, has been throwing a lot of money. So it's going to be very difficult for an ordinary person on the street to agree that, okay, now we as government are no more able to, 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 to house you, all of you. That was my suggestion. Let them, let, let them, let them come forth and speak openly that we, we should not raise our hopes that all of us will be getting houses. Because, look, go to homeland. If all those people from the former uh, 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 homeland uh, uh, places, if all of them there, they could say, we also want RDPs. And that's, that's what we hear on the street. People would say, no, 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 I, I also want to, uh, to have my own RDP. Of it looks very impossible at this point in time. All right, Willie, thanks for that. Willie out in Kuma. Let me end it off with uh, Nolulamo in Tembisa. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Yes. Yes, Kathy. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Go for it. Okay, Kathy. Um, uh, my story uh, is one of uh, those uh, very, very helpful. I registered in 1996. And 2004, we get a call by then, I was still uh, at the college. Uh, didn't have the kids, nothing, nothing. But 2004, I was already uh, having two kids. I got married 2001, and we separated 2003. Then, uh, by then, I was having two kids. Then we go to Rabasutu, as we were called then, uh, Mr. Masaba told me to come with uh, the husband. Then I told him that uh, my husband, uh, we separated with him. Uh, he took uh, my form and saying that, yes, I'm already married. Then I have to come with him. I can't have my, I can't have the keys as he was um, giving people the keys for the houses. Then I uh, ended up not having the, the house because of that, because he said uh, he's going to uh, keep the house until I come back with the husband. And uh, long story short, um, I tried to get hold of the husband. Then we divorced in 2011. Then I went back to Urabasutu again. Then Mr. Mashaba, they told me that Mr. Mashaba is not there anymore. I have to go to housing uh, in Jobek. I went there and uh, they said, yes, uh, they see everything. But then where is uh, my C-form? I told them that Mr. Mashaba took my C-form. I don't have it, but in the system, they saw my details, everything. Then the guy who was assisting me told me that if I can give him a cold drink of 20000 then he can make something for me. Then I told him that I don't have that mm. such amount. 
then I ended up not having still uh, losing, uh, fighting that losing battle. Then um, 2017, there was a, another registration at Oxpec. I went there, I registered again. They asked me that, uh, did I register before? Then I told them that, yes, uh, I did register 1996. I said, it's okay, you can re-register again. Mm. I did re-register. Then it was like that, uh, but um, last of last month, I went to Rabasut. To my surprise, uh, I found the Mashaba there and that uh, office. Then when I was um, going to him, uh, trying to get what was happened about my house, uh, he told me that he's busy with a meeting. He, he's going to be with me in a minute. Then I sat and sat and sat waiting for him. Uh, all of a sudden, someone came and told me that Mr. Mashaba is going to another meeting and he won't be available for a week. So it's like that. So Mr. Mashaba, sure. I want to say yes. All right. Nolulam, I think what you've told us is really, you know, a very lived experience of the systemic problems that arise when people have to try and get their houses and and like you said it's it's a difficult process to have undergone from 1996 is when you first applied and how do they say you can't get it if your husband is not here that you, i don't know how is that even a reason and my mom asked him that because my father was not with my mom and my mom got the house and my mother Ask him, why uh, did you give me? Now, are you saying to me, I must uh, 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 keep my, my my daughter with uh, her kids and my other grandchildren? Uh, then he said, if it's like that, you can do that, mom, but there's nothing I can do for her. And it was like that, uh, Katie. And Katie, it's very painful, when, especially when you see uh, now, in here in Chendisa, there's a place that's called 45. It's full of foreigners. Every foreigner is having a house, but we can't. And another thing, Mr. Marshall, I, I, I heard that um, uh, people are giving him money, and he, they, they didn't even register anything. But right. they give him 50,000 rand each, and they're going to get all those title deeds and places here in Tembisa, another flat that they are busy building now. All right. And no, our school doesn't have anything. There's nothing we can do. Mm. Nolulamo, I'm going to ask you to leave it there. She's out in Tembisa has given an account of her own experience. We'll have to wrap up with Buhle and Jody after the latest 11 o'clock news. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Oh, thanks for that, Liesl. It's 8 after 11 o'clock, the third and final hour of the show. We're going to begin this hour by wrapping up uh, the conversation that we've had around housing, the pace of housing delivery, and just what some of the solutions that government can be looking at right now uh, to deal with this incredible challenge, what some of those solutions are. Uh, Buhle Boy is with Ndufunukwazi and Jody Alamir is an independent consultant. Jody, let me kick it off with you. I mean, you heard the issues that were raised by our listeners, and some of them, you know, still very much victims of a system that has been corrupted and that hasn't been working the way that it was intended to. Yeah, I mean, these are not, um, unfortunately, new new types of stories. We hear this sort of thing all the time. The housing space is a very easy space for uh, abuse of power to to creep in, and the housing database is certainly something that we know is is, is not in a good a good state of repair. And I think this is something where there is real data inequality. I, as a formal resident, have a very clear data point with my municipality. They they know everything about me. <laughs> they know my ID number. They know where I live. They know how much water I consume. They know every fault that I've ever reported. They know what my needs are, et cetera, because I pay for a service. I'm a consumer of a service. Whereas those who are informally housed or are living, you know, with a with paying rent somebody somewhere or are um, 
you know, living with a with a, a relative or that sort of thing, do not have a data point with with the municipality. They are essentially invisible to the municipality because they are not a consumer of a service. They are in need of a service, and that is real data inequality. So I think that that is something that really this sort of war room has identified some real challenges in terms of project management capability and spatial planning and that sort of thing. But in terms of actually understanding who our residents are, what they need, would they prefer to rent, what can they afford if they were to build on their own, um, what are the types of services they need, etc. We are nowhere. We do not understand the people. So we need to improve our data equality for formally housed and informally housed people, renters, and owners alike, um, so that we can resolve these issues. And we need to to really have some good governance interventions to overcome some of these abuses of of, of power. Um, and I mean that's that that is true for for many aspects outside of housing. So you know transparency in the system is key. Um, civil society, media, all of those sorts of things, clearer reporting, um, uh, all of that sort of thing is is clear. Clearer uh, project timelines. Um, transparency on how decisions are made, all of that sort of thing really needs to to be boosted. And I'd expect to see working groups and, and processes around those processes giving just an, as much priority as there are working groups around um, the more technical aspects. Um, the second sort of closing remark I'd make is it's really sad to hear people almost giving up. So, so many countries have used housing in, in a sort of a post-war or a post-recession a post-trauma sort of environment, they've used big public housing, whether it's rental or ownership programs, to rebuild society and rebuild economy. And and we didn't do that we, after apartheid, but it's never too late. We are still traumatized and we are still spatially fractured. Um, and I think we still have the potential to use housing as, as, a, as a massive driver of, of fixing our, our society. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Jody, and for your participation in this conversation. Bukhe, let me give you the last word here. Um, no, thanks. Thanks, Kathy. Um, I think uh, Jody has, has, has touched on, on a lot of things in terms of um, the way forward. Um, I just want to, to make emphasis um, on, on the fact that uh, the Department of Human Settlements um, and the minister uh, should <laughs> kickstart this discussion around um, the housing code. that are long overdue. Um, and we hope, we seriously hope that um, the minister will start incorporating the views of civil society, the views of the people on the ground, um, and, 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 ex- and experts on, on, on such matters, um, you know, so that we are able to, to move forward. Um, and to, to move away, we need uh, a minister that is um, rather a department that, that takes seriously um, the issues of human settlements. Um, and we ought to not have the discussion around housing delivery in isolation um, from the broader uh, human settlement discussion. Because what you basically speak about there, um, you speak about uh, social amenities, um, schools, um, job opportunities that people need to, to, to access. You can't speak about housing in vacuum, um, you know, as if it's a, it's a, it's a very isolated um, issue um, from, from other issues, but also in the main um, that in order to address the imbalances of the past, um, as Jody was articulating here, um, the state, the department needs to release public well-located um, land um, for, for, for social use um, for building housing um, for our people. Um, so that's what, in the main, um, needs to happen and move away um, from a, this auctioning of, of public land um, to, to private sector and to private developers. Land should be used um, for its social value to build housing for our people. And that's what we were urging um, the Department of Human Settlements to invest time in and to, to not criminalize, Katie, um, vulnerable um, people or vulnerably housed um, people calling them um, land invaders rather than it needs to look um, at the issues that enable um, people to learn, I mean, to occupy land um, in, the first, in the first place and to recognize its failures um, as enablers um, of, of land occupations. 
um, and not to punish people to say that they will not provide um, basic services uh, to to enforce implement um, by virtue of that making people's uh, living conditions unbearable. Um, therefore, we're saying that the the, the, the department must of finance must work with people to find viable solutions to the housing crisis um, that that we have um, in the country. All right. Thank you so much for that. Butler Boy is with organization and Funukwazi, and he is one of the officials there. He's the head of organizing for that particular organization. Lots has been covered in the past hour, and I think really, you know, we all have a better understanding just of how deep some of these challenges that need to be addressed are and how, you know, and I don't really like this phrase because I think it's overused so much, it's, um, especially, you know, in, 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 in the government space. We need an all-of-society approach, but it's, it's a solution. It's a problem that needs, you know, all of us to, to, to get involved in terms of how do we see the future of our communities. And Jody was speaking about integration, and it's such a big thing. In this country, you know, you literally have areas that are for the haves and areas for those who don't have. Um, and how do we begin to change that? How do we change mindsets of, of, of people around even the, 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 the structure of, of, of our communities? And can we envision where it looks different for generations of, 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 of people to come. Some of those not even born, but what is it that, that we might leave behind that, that, you know, that sets up a foundation so that you don't have, uh, you know, an area automatically where you know, okay, um, you know, if I come from this kind of family, that means that I will probably only ever live here in my life because this is where we belong. Because um, that, that's the message that, that is sent out, even sometimes subliminally so, but it's being sent out nonetheless.